Thank you. Uh, so the band's going to take a seat and want you to do something for me, uh, just real quick around the tables. Um, have a have a little conversation for just a few moments. What would be your favorite food? If you could pick among your top five, what would be one of those entrees that would be among your favorites? Go for it. Hello, hello. There I am. So Ed Barker, as he's leaving the stage, he points at me and says, pizza to me. And he is correct. I love pizza. And I got to tell you, one of the great pizza chefs in the world, that guy right there. Oh my gosh. Fantastic. Um, I did a fast a number of years ago. It was like a week-long fast, and um, we're ending with this community worship service out at the Expo Center, and we brought a bunch of churches together, and Sunday morning, I ended my fast with Ed Barker's pizza. I ate an entire pizza to break that fast. That was not a great idea, but it wasn't a bad idea either, so anyway, if you ever get the chance to eat Ed Barker pizza, it's a, it is among the best pizza, and I know a thing or two about pizza. I, I am a pizza aficionado. I'm not kidding. When I was four or five years old, we took a trip to the Twin Cities, Minneapolis-St. Paul, where my Uncle Jack uh, lived, and Aunt Janice, and our families were visiting, and um, they decided to order pizza one night uh, for dinner. I, it may have been the first time I'd ever had pizza, and I loved it. I ate so much pizza, there was a pizza shortage in the Twin Cities for a week. My, my Uncle Jack nicknamed me at that visit, Pizza Baby. And my oldest sister calls me that to this day. All kinds of renditions. Pizza, Pizza Baby. When I had uh, my zits as a teenager, Pizza Face, and just kind of <laughs> whatever. I know pizza and I love pizza. It is one of my favorite foods. Uh, and, you know, we know from our uh, United States government that they declared a few years ago that pizza is a vegetable. So it's an absolutely healthy uh, for you. Had nothing to do with major contracts for school uh, lunch programs. It had everything to do with science because we know our government is only concerned about scientific matters. <laughs> so um, I love pizza. And the more I thought about it this week, I want to do something uh, mildly heretical. 
I know that will shock you, <laughs> but I would dare to do such a thing. Uh, there's this part in uh, the book of Revelation, which is the last book in the Bible, and it says, do not alter one jot or tittle of this, uh, of this book. Uh, and, you know, the way I approach the Bible, I take the Bible very, very seriously. Uh, it informs me and informs my faith. I don't take it literally. You all know that. Uh, there are multiple genres and different ways to think about things and all that. Um, but this passage of Scripture that we look at, I want to mess around with a little bit. Uh, so let's take a look at the text, uh, which should be coming up here in a moment. And I can't read that one, so I'll read that one. That one shows up pretty good. All right. So this is the text that we're playing with. I was going to spend four weeks on this, but instead, I'm going to get it all done today. So last week, I talked about the first part of it. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Remember, this is uh, Easter evening. So they just saw their Jesus die two days, three days before, and they're terrified that they are going to be next. And so they're locked away because they're afraid. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them somehow. John doesn't explain how. He just says this happened, and that's their experience. Peace be with you, he said, which is a normal greeting, but as I shared last week, I think carried greater depth. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. And I think that's a wonderful gift for us. And that, that's kind of like my license plate thing uh, the other day. Because sometimes we're running around and it's like we notice things and it's almost like God is speaking directly to us from those things. This is an, one of those moments where the disciples needed to see something that would give them confidence that this is who was speaking to them. There's a lot of mystery involved with that uh, and with this whole thing. But don't miss the point that Jesus knew what he needed to do to show them this is me. And I think God does that with us to a person uh, because we're a part of this greater thing. And of course, why wouldn't that be the case? So once they figure out that, oh, it's him, he says again, and they're filled with joy. And so he says again, peace be with you. And then he goes on, he says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This is John's Pentecost, by the way. Uh, the other Gospels don't have this for 50 more days, but John does it here, which is very interesting. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. I'll talk about all of that in a moment. But that phrase, peace be with you, uh, still resonating with me, still thinking about that. And naturally, I think often about pizza as well. And where I'd like to make a, a shift today is I wonder if we could trade out the word peace for pizza. <laughs> I think it's fair. Now, let me tell you why. Because when you have good pizza, this is pretty good pizza. It's not delivery. It's a giorno. <laughs> but it's pretty good pizza as far as frozen pizza goes. And I mainly wanted to have frozen pizza today to cook it so you would smell it coming in and it would annoy you and you'd be hungry and be ready to eat some more pizza, which hopefully that's working a little bit. But you know, when you have, when you have good pizza, it satisfies you. It satisfies you on a level that really words cannot speak. It, it satiates you. I mean, I mean, you're alive in a whole different kind of way, a different height, a different depth. The whole thing happens when you experience truly good pizza. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody agree with me here? You know, yeah, sure. Uh, it happens. And I think 
that's why I want to trade it out. First of all, what a cool greeting would that be? Pizza be with you. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, say that every day. But, you know, this piece that we're talking about has a similar kind of effect. This is the Jewish shalom. This is the Greek irene. Uh, Irene comes from that. If you know any Irenes, it, it's from that word, uh, peace in Greek. And it, it communicates this great depth of peace, of well-being. It's not just the absence of conflict, but it's this becoming whole, becoming well, uh, together again, harmony between each other and ourselves and creator, whatever that is. All of that, kind of like a great piece of pizza. And if we look at the Gospel of John a little earlier than this particular passage, we get a, we get a glimpse of how this might play out if, if it's really pizza be with you, if we trade out pizza for peace. Because in John chapter 3, verse 16, you probably know very well, and 17, it goes like this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Then John three seventeen. For God did not send the world, send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Now, this passage, which causes a lot of pain uh, for people who've heard it a different way, actually an incorrect way, this passage is not talking about heaven. It's not talking about say the magic words and you get to go to heaven someday. That is not what the language is saying here. Remember, this is my doctoral work was in this, in this gospel. And this is one of the things that truly <clears throat> helped save my faith and my ministry. It still got me going. Because at that time, in 2005, I was feeling like a used car salesman. I'm like, oh, I just got to get people to say the magic words. And yeah, boring. That's, how compelling is that? But when I found out that eternal life is meant to be a quality of life, where you're, you're bringing the essence of heaven, whatever that is of God, into our world and into our life right now, that it's by believing in what Jesus was talking about. Well, now that's an interesting story. That's a mission. And, you know, the heaven stuff, the hope for what's next is still there throughout the teaching. There's still great peace to be had there. But what we really see here is Jesus was sent into the world to proclaim this thing. This reality, and that word might be saved through him, that saved, the, the original language for that, the Greek word, is the same root for to heal. So it's like what Jesus came to do was to, to come bring this message, to bring this word that was going to bring healing to the world by bringing more of who God is and what God is, shalom, into this world, that it has a healing nature. So pizza be with you, pizza as peace. We see Jesus as delivering this peace, which makes, if you're connecting the dots, Jesus was the first pizza delivery guy. <laughs> Are you with me on this? I mean, awesome. And so, and he delivered pizza like nobody we've seen, uh, at least in his time and era, and he did it in bold fashion. I mean, it didn't matter how far away you were, he was willing to deliver the pizza. People from all over would come to get pizza from Jesus. <laughs> he didn't care who wanted it. Uh, some of the people had been rejected pizza uh, for some period of time in their lives for different kinds of reasons. Their religion, their nationality, their skin tone, their past, their occupation, um, their allegiances, all this stuff. 
And yet Jesus, even though they had been refused glorious pizza, Jesus gave it to them, offering them pizza, because pizza is for everybody, indiscriminately, without condition. That didn't always make people real happy, because some people, up to that point, thought they'd tasted pizza until they tasted what Jesus was serving. Ever had bad pizza? It can happen. My wife and I, um, we, we discovered these uh, frozen pizzas at Costco. Don't freak out, okay? It's cauliflower crusted pizza from Costco. Have any of you tried this before? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Eight bucks, you get two of them, I think. And um, our daughter, who's been uh, doing school from home for the last year and a half, she raised a complaint because we were eating this pizza too frequently. I'll throw a little chicken on it, try to mix it up a little bit, but it was too much. And so uh, she asked us to, you know, just take a pause on California or a cauliflower pizza. And so we did, and we eat other stuff. And then Lakin, just a couple of months ago, uh, decided to go visit her brother in Southern California. You know exactly what Lynn and I did next. We went to Costco and bought the frozen cauliflower crust pizza <laughs> to celebrate that. But I have to tell you, when I went to buy the cauliflower crust pizza, I was met with disappointment because they were out. And I had to make a decision right then and there. My wife doesn't eat red meat, which means uh, that uh, a lot of your pizza options there are off the table. And so I'm looking and there before me, it's a new item. I'd never seen it before. It was a four-pack of margarita pizzas. They don't come with margaritas. It's a style of pizza uh, where it's got just some vegetables on the top and, and so forth. And so I thought, well, let's give it a whirl. And it was well-priced. Four pizzas, $5. Pretty good risk. So I get home. I explain our, uh, our situation to Len. Well, let's see what's going on. And so we cook this thing up, and we're sitting together uh, eating this pizza. Hey, you know how sometimes you don't even need words? You just look at each other. And both of us just kind of looked at each other with a face that said, this pizza sucks. <laughs> now, you know it's got to suck if this guy, Pizza Baby, throws away uneaten pizza, frozen uneaten pizza. God, this was how bad that pizza was. It was, it, I, it kind of, it qualified as pizza. It had all the things that pizza is supposed to have, but it was just awful. At the time that, that Jesus lived, there was uh, an element of Judaism, primarily from the leadership, and it was pocketed, really, and it had been for several generations, from Jerusalem, the big city. And the flavor of the pizza that they were peddling and offering, it lacked a lot of the flavor that Judaism offered in its fullness, if that makes any sense. Judaism uh, was offering the fullness of shalom. But somehow, someway, this particular moment in time, it was coming across as really cheap pizza that... You know, when we were trying to describe the flavor, it was like recycled, used cardboard uh, with motor oil and maybe some rubber chips. I mean, that's, that's how awful this thing was. And 
I want to say that at least from the experience that we're seeing and how Jesus' audience, the people he delivered pizza to, when they tasted what he was saying, and he was really a Jewish reformer in so many ways, when he was just shedding light on what was already there, and they tasted of that, they were like, oh my gosh, that is pizza. But it was a little too good a pizza. The pizza was threatening to the other pizza peddlers. And so the other pizza peddlers got rid of him. Jesus died because the pizza he was peddling was too good. And yet the pizza was still being made. And the pizza needed to be delivered. That's where this scene comes in. He's saying to the disciples here, as I have been sent, so now I send you. Not as you think you should be sent, but as I have been sent. In other words, you're going to be a pizza delivery guy like I was a pizza delivery guy. That's the model that you're to go forward with. And naturally, you can just imagine what's going on uh, around the table that day. They're thinking to themselves, wait a minute. I know we've been watching this for a while. We've been seeing this amazing pizza delivery, but are we, are we really ready? Because I'm, I'm still feeling really shaken by what happened a few days ago. I'm not really over that. I don't think I'm ready yet. I don't think I have what it takes. And Jesus just puts an end to it and says, you're ready enough. As I've been sent, so I send you. You have what it takes. And then he does this incredible thing. He breathes on them. Now, we've talked about this at length over the years. The same word for breath, both in Hebrew and uh, Greek, is the same word for spirit. And so when we see this happening, he is in a very visible way, in a tangible way that they are connecting the dots on. He's seeing this brief. They identify. Remember, Jesus Christ, Christ wasn't Jesus' last name. <laughs> Christ referred to this thing about Jesus that happened to him. Christ means anointed one. Same as Messiah in Hebrew. It means anointed, anointed one. And so that what was the anointing that Jesus had on him? It was the Spirit. They recognized through that, through his profound teaching, his insight, uh, the healing work that he did, all of those things were evidence of the spirit that they believed was at work within him. So when he breathes on them, they own it. And they're like, as the spirit has come out of Jesus, now we are anointed too. This is a massive deal. You and I, we're so comfortable with this idea of God loving us so much and all that. We just kind of take it as like, oh, yeah, sweet. Yep, got spirit. We're, we're cool. You don't understand. Back in that day and age, they thought that very few people would be so gifted with the presence of God, like one or two a generation. And in fact, by the time that Jesus shows up, it had been a very quiet several hundred years in the Jewish tradition where they thought that God was absolutely silent. And John the Baptist shows up. Something's going on with that guy. And then Jesus follows him. Something's definitely going on with that guy. So when these disciples hear and experience that it is with them too, this is a big deal. It is, it is as if Jesus is saying, okay, here's my cool delivery cap. Here's my cool delivery vest. I'm even giving you the keys to the delivery truck. And it's got a gas card with it, so you'll never run out of gas. Get out there and deliver this great pizza. That's what he's saying here. You have everything you need. 
get out there and do it. And it's a good thing that he told them, as I was sent, so I am sending you. It's good that he gave them the Spirit in this tangible way that they could connect the dots on, because what they were going to face going forward was going to blow their minds. And it was going to stretch them in ways that they could not have ever anticipated needing to be stretched. Now, I grew up in Kansas for the first few years of my life. And, you know, this is back in the 70s when, you know, there's just not a lot of food options. It's just that, that we live in a great time where there's so many different things. But back then, there wasn't a whole lot. Uh, pizza Hut was like the best thing around uh, for pizza. And I remember, do you remember when they, when they came out with deep dish pizza and everybody just went nuts? It required six pounds of butter for one deep dish pizza. And it tasted like it, delicious stuff. I thought that was pretty good. So I was pretty excited about my meat lovers pan, pan pizza. I was excited about uh, the Supreme pan pizza, any kind of pan pizza I was down for. And then I went to Chicago uh, to work on my uh, master's degree, divinity to become a pastor. And in the Chicago area, there's a thing called Chicago style pizza. I thought I'd had pizza until I moved to the Chicago area <laughs> and tasted Chicago-style pizza. Also a deep dish, but the sausage they put on top, if you order a sausage pizza, it's not some smattering of, you know, sausage sprinkles. It's a slab of sausage. We're talking Gino's East, Giordano's. Uh, if you've been to Chicago, these are two places you must go, and the pizza is incredible. It is so big and dense. I went back for an intensive study uh, for my doctoral work there, uh, and I bought one pizza that lasted me an entire week <laughs> because these slices are so filling. There's a Detroit-style pizza that's kind of becoming popular right now. There's a New York-style pizza with this super thin crust. All the disciples are learning all these different styles, but it's all kind of within their wheelhouse. They're kind of get to know this pizza. It's a little bit different. It's kind of a variation on a theme, but it's still basic pizza. You know, there's something that happened to me in my life uh, when I uh, went to Chicago as well. Lynn and I went to uh, this mall uh, not far from the seminary and they had a California pizza kitchen. You're familiar. You've probably been to them. And I open up the menu. I think, okay, we'll see what California's got. And I open up the menu and at California pizza kitchen to this day, they have the audacity to put on their pizza menu, Thai chicken pizza. As a pizza purist, a man who knows his pizza, I looked at that and absolutely scoffed. What? Who puts Thai chicken on a pizza? That's ridiculous. And look down there, they had barbecue chicken on a pizza. Who does that? And all kinds of other things uh, of all kinds of other cultures showed up on pizza. And I'm thinking to myself, how is it possible that they're getting away with this? They should be closed as a business until I tried it. I tried the Thai chicken pizza. And I found out why it is their number one selling pizza. <laughs> it was delicious. It still was pizza. How about that? The disciples had to learn the hard way. And it took great resolve and commitment to that spirit which was within them and the being sent as Jesus was sent because they discovered that pizza was all over the place in different ways from different cultures being expressed and, and with different expressions. One of the things I'm really excited for you about while I'm gone is that Waco is going to teach you about all these different pizzas from different traditions. 
How'd they come up with their pizza? How do they cook their pizza? What's on their pizza? How's that pizza eaten together? All of these things she's going to be playing with. And she is so qualified. Uh, it's Waco Shannon Hickey, PhD, a university professor, <laughs> uh, chaplain. Uh, she is so well equipped to do this. And I'm so thrilled. Thank you again, Waco, for doing this. You're going to get a pizza smorgasbord from all kinds of different ways of thinking because I think that's a better framework of thinking about it. Rather than saying the only kind of pizza is pepperoni or the only kind of pizza is this expression of it, what if we just start thinking more broadly that maybe, maybe God and trying to get this pizza out very naturally is going to use the cultural influences wherever that might be and that that cultural influence is going to be expressed in how that pizza is formed, baked, and eaten together. That just makes sense. So that's coming for you. Now, this last line uh, is challenging, and I need to spend some moments on this because uh, it still qualifies as a pizza metaphor. It simply says this, if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, on the one hand, Jesus did not need to even say this. It's all, and it's in multiple gospels, by the way, uh, for a nerd note. Um, this is a curious uh, text to end with. This is kind of the last remark uh, before Jesus, in this, in this little scene. Um, and it shows up in Matthew as well. But the one thing I want you to notice is that if you forgive anyone's sins, with an S on the N, it's plural. Yet in the Gospel of John, he doesn't really talk a lot about sins, plural. He talks about sin as an idea. And that major sin, capital S, is just one. And it's just blindness to God, if you will. And so when at the very beginning of the Gospel of John, it says it's a prologue. And it talks about um, Jesus has come to save the world from its sin. The sin is the misunderstanding of God, the blindness toward God, and therefore the incapacity to follow the God that you don't know. But in this one, it's believed to be potentially an add-on or a later addition because the sin is plural. We don't need, unfortunately, Jesus didn't even need to instruct us on this because you know what? We do it anyway. We do it anyway. In my earlier days, if you would have told me there was such a thing as Thai chicken pizza, I would have said, nope, that does not qualify as pizza. You have no right uh, to eat that pizza. You shouldn't call yourself a pizza lover anymore. You're no longer welcome in pizza parlors because you have dared eat Thai chicken pizza. That's an expression of pronouncing forgiveness or withholding forgiveness. Bring it to brass tacks. We do this all the time because every one of us has our biases. We have our paradigms for seeing the world. And we naturally look at the world through our eyes, and in our perspective, we are right, even if we're not. And so we pronounce forgiveness on some, and we withhold forgiveness from others, even in the name of God. And it has been so horrifically damaging. Some of you know all too well about this. We know historically, all too much about this. In our own nation's history, 
pastors and government leaders together decided it was okay to steal people from Africa and turn them into slaves. Uh, we, we believed it was okay and manifest destiny to just wipe out indigenous peoples in this country in the name of God. That's an expression of this. We don't need to be told this because we already do it. Churches to this day continue to do this same thing and with the full power and authority of its top leaders. In the Catholic tradition, not bashing Catholics, um, Richard Rohr is my guy. I love that guy. I read him every day. Uh, but within that tradition, you still have a, a tradition where women are not treated equally as men. They are not given the same kind of authority, even though they're recognized as being the incredible uh, contributors to the Catholic Church. Gay marriage? Forget about it. It's been announced once again, not going to be blessed by the Catholic Church. There are some people in the Protestant tradition, depending where you're at, that if you're gay, you don't have a shot. The entire LGBT community, forgiveness withheld. You're not really welcome in the body of Christ. And it's horrific. Horrific. We like to have power and authority and to announce and proclaim on other people. There's a part of us that craves it to be able to say who is in and who is out. And as long as we're on the inside, we feel pretty good about it, letting other people know who's on the outside. But we have to remember what Jesus said in that sending statement. He didn't say, just get out there and figure out how to do pizza any old way you want. Go with your own biases and paradigms. It's fine. I don't care. Just make sure some people get some pizza. He didn't say that because he knew that if he just left it at that, biases would creep into our pizza delivery. And we'd find out that, that we would soon be offering things that are not on the pizza menu, that aren't even pizza, but somehow they came into it. And we've endorsed it as pizza, and we're giving it to people, force-feeding them to have it. And people are thinking, well, I know some of this is pizza, but some of that looks like soup. And you're telling me that's pizza? And we're like, yes, it's pizza, but I'm forcing you to eat this whole thing. I, my metaphors are getting a little loose here, but what I'm saying is it is possible. <laughs> it is possible that we let things historically slip into the menu that never should have been there. So Jesus says, I'm not just sending you any old way. As I was sent, that's how I'm sending you. And how was Jesus sent? What was his reigning purpose? What was his true north? Shalom. Shalom. He was about shalom. He was about peace. He was about pizza. And his approach to it was with shalom. Toward shalom, with shalom. That's who he was. He's saying to the disciples, you go and do this. Uh, Micah 6.8 is one of my favorite verses, which I always butcher when I try to say it, but it basically says, you know, what does God require of you is to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. That's boiled down. That's what we're to do. And that's what Jesus did. And so when we hear this word, if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. We must, I mean must, with great humility, be very thoughtful and careful with this because our words and our attitude and our behavior matters. There are some people 
who, because of our bias, believe that they have no welcome in the presence of God. Even though the pizza's for everybody. That's on us. For us to really be who we are to be as the people of God, the Jesus followers, is to be sent like Jesus, to make sure that we don't keep people out. I just want to say, if you have been so hurt by the church, and I know some of you have, I just want to say I'm sorry. I just want to say that's not the pizza you were supposed to get. That the pizza that is being delivered from the great kitchen of God uh, really is for everybody, unconditionally, and it's just for you to eat and be satisfied. How dare we? And yet at the same time, this is, uh, this is challenging stuff. There are some times, as the people of God, as people who are trying to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, where we have to look at something and say, that's not pizza. There should have been, and there were actually a few voices at first and then more. There were a few people uh, in the early parts, in the early time of our country, when they looked at uh, Manifest Destiny and they looked at uh, American slavery, which was a whole new uh, animal, they looked at it, pastors, and said, that's not pizza. This should not be happening. It is, it is unthinkable that one human being would dare think that they could own another human being. There's no justification for this anywhere. And they had the boldness to say it, even when they were alone. There were others who would say that about other major issues, about, about women, about divorce, about single parents, ways that the church has judged profusely with. And it requires Jesus following pizza deliverers to say, that's not pizza. Because people are still being hurt and wounded today by being forced to eat garbage that does not come from the heart of God. How do we know when it is and is not? It is through acting justly. It is loving mercy. It is walking humbly and wondering just what this pizza is, which leads to my final thing, and I'm almost done. And that is, can you see what an incredible privilege it is and what joy you can bring to the world if you deliver the pizza well. Can you see the freedom that you are ushering to people? You are not the pizza. You're just the deliverer. There are going to be people you come across, they're not hungry. Great. Okay, but wouldn't it be amazing that if you were so satiated by this pizza, that it just kind of oozed out of your pores, and people just kind of looked at you and said, I want what that guy's having. Wouldn't that be amazing if you, could, if you could walk in the world in such a way, not in any kind of a, you know, cramming it down your throat, but just as the presence of pizza, the presence of peace, the presence of shalom, wherever you go, can you imagine what life and joy and peace and harmony, all of the fruits of the Spirit of God, because you've got to deliver the pizza. This is no burden that Jesus is giving the disciples. They all got martyred, by the way, and yet they all went to their grave with a smile on their face 
because they got to eat pizza the rest of their lives. And they got to share great pizza with so many people for the rest of their lives. They knew that pizza was where it's at. And they got to be a part of it. So do you. This is not a have-to thing to add to your, your already over full life. This is life. To be able to walk in the Spirit, to be able to walk hand-in-hand hand with the presence of God and allow that to do its thing in our world. You get to do this. You get to do this. Delivering this delicious pizza. What a privilege. What an honor. And what a kick in the pants when you get to see people take their first bite and realize it's better than they hoped. What a joy. What a privilege. Let's pray together. So God, I don't know um, exactly how you're speaking to us. I know how you've spoken to me this week. I know that you're spoken. I know that you're still speaking. And I'm wondering, God, if you could help us a bit as we uh, choose to be quiet and still for a moment. Help us identify um, what, what are you trying to say to us today? What do you want to say to us today? So just congregation, just sit still and listen, what's bubbling up in your conscious? for those of us who've forgotten, forgotten just how incredible this good news really is, this thing that Jesus came to deliver and talk about and then offer us to do. It is, if we've forgotten God, as the psalmist says, restore to us the joy of salvation, of wholeness, of wellness, of what you came to bring. Help us let go of puny, distorted versions of what this thing is all about. Help us be overcome, overwhelmed, and satisfied with just how wide and deep and long and high is the love of God. May we take, may we take the cool hat, the vest, and the keys to the, to the truck. And may we, with great joy and confidence, deliver some delicious pizza. And we will sing your praises when we get to see its work. Ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. May you realize just how good the pizza is. May you realize that it is extraordinary and you have this wonderful opportunity. May you be confident and powerful as you go forth to deliver such pieces. And finally, may you, may pizza be with you. God bless. Can I have your attention, please? Waco, could you join us on stage in math? Oh.
We came up to eat Pete's pizza. <laughs> Just kidding. I've asked Pastor Matt if he would pray over Pete while oh, Waco cool. and I lay our hands on Pete. Wow. What a treat. Absolutely. Hi, I'm Matt Rialum, and I was a pastor at American Canyon for the last 15 years. I resigned August of last year, and Pete was my pastor when I went through major depressive disorder and struggled and struggled and struggled, and I want uh, to say thank you to you and thank you to your board for standing up with him, and I just feel incredibly honored to be in this place, and I just have so much love and respect and pride for all of you who made the decision to stand with Pete in this time. It is a beautiful, beautiful gift. Would you join me in prayer? Could everybody stand? Please stand. Re reach out for Ord if you feel comfortable doing that. And let's pray that uh, God's peace would be here. The pizza of God would dwell and rest. Let's join, join me in prayer. Most gracious God, we know that your Holy Spirit has been here. We have felt your presence. Father, you have, through your broken servant, through your wounded healer, healed us today. We pray that he might find, and he might experience the peace, the shalom, the wholeness, the fullness, the rest that only comes from you. I think of the Old Testament when so often you said that they had entered into God's rest. They had experienced rest from their enemies. Lord, I don't know all the enemies he needs to rest from and to trust in your goodness about. But we pray that, they might, that he might truly rest, knowing that he is one with you and that you will take care of all of his needs and that you will take care of the needs of the congregation. We pray for this congregation as they stand together and take up perhaps additional roles and work and ministry. Father, we pray this might be an opportunity to grow deeper into wholeness, unity, and trust in you. We now pray that the Holy Spirit the great grace of God might be upon Pete and his family and give them the rest and the wholeness that you have designed them for. And we pray that you would be in the midst of all of these things. And we pray these things in the name of our great Savior and Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you all. Absolutely.